This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. you write a check you could write ten dollars but if you don't put that slash or the zero at the end somebody can put ten thousand in Rome they made sure that you filled it out it has to be repetitive you have to fill out the whole document and then it's sealed with seven seals Jesus paid for the sins of the world and he's going to claim the world he has the deed and he's going to loosen the seven seals in today's message Pastor Eddie is making his way through the book of Hebrews This book is all about how and why Jesus is better than anything else. Right now, Satan has the deed to the earth. But one day very soon, Jesus is going to overwrite that deed. He earned the right to it when he shed his blood for you and I. He is greater than the angels. He's greater than priests or prophets or kings. And he is greater than the ruler of this world. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of John chapter 14 as he continues his message... The sun made lower than the angels. In my father's house is many mansions, and if I go prepare a place, then I come for you. And it's always been the bridegroom who always prepared a home for the bride. And we see God has been consistent in his love for us in creation and even at the end times when he's preparing a place for us. But just thinking of of David as a shepherd, shepherding the flock and thinking about, Lord, who am I to you so mindful of me? I think we take for granted the things that God has blessed us with. We take for granted that we look at the stars and sky, that God has placed each and every one and knows it all by name, all for you, for you. It is just, oh, I just want to decorate the place. No, it's for man, for those who you love. Who are you, who are we that you're so mindful of? So he goes in in verse 7, he said, you have made him, mankind, a little lower than the angels, Now, he is not saying that man is lower than angels spiritually or that man is less important and angels are more important to God. But he had made man lower than angel in that angels are spiritual beings and we are physical beings. Spiritual beings, physical beings. For the Lord, the things that are spiritual are the utmost. God is spirit. We worship him in spirit and in truth. We're born again in spirit. He is spirit, the Holy Spirit. And so he had made us a little lower than the angels in a sense that now that we are a flesh, we also have a spirit, the spirit of Christ when we're born again. So he says in verse 7, you have made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor and set him over the works of your hands. Verse 8, you have put all things in subjection under his feet for in that he put all all in subjection under him. He left nothing that is not put under him. Again, Genesis 1 verse 26. God has given dominion over man. He says, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all 
all the earth and over every creepy thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 8. You have put all things in subjection under his feet, for in that he put all in subjection under him. Man, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now, but now, at the end of verse 8, it says, but now we do not yet see all things put under his feet. But what is it? Are all things under his feet or not? What changes everything, it says, but now. In the beginning, man had dominion over the earth. But now, man does not have. You see, one time at the garden, God has given man dominion over the earth. But presently now we can see that it's out of control. We see evil, we see filth, we see lawlessness, we see chaos, we see confusion, we even see death. And where, what happened that we no longer have dominion over the earth? No, it's not because you don't recycle. It's not because you bike instead of using gas fuel vehicles. No, it's because of sin. 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 You remember when Adam sinned and Eve sinned, they took of the fruit. At that time, they had dominion. Before they took the fruit, they had dominion over the earth. But when they took the fruit and they sinned against God, Satan now has dominion over the earth. As a matter of fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, it says, it says that he is, he is the God of this age. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, say that he is the prince of the air. You remember when Jesus was fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. Satan tempted him. And I believe, and I always say this, I think this is the greatest temptation that Jesus ever had. My thesis, my view, looking at all the gospels and all that Jesus, Jesus has been tempted in every point, in all points. We're going to talk a little bit about that. But this is what the greatest temptation of Christ was this, when Satan offered him the world. The world. Let's look at Matthew chapter 9 verses, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 4 verses 9 through 11. And it says, and he, speaking of Satan, said to him, all these things I will give you, that is the world, the kingdom of it, if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Verse 11, then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Notice Jesus did not argue with Satan. Jesus could have said, I created the world. He did. He handed over to man, Adam. Adam sinned. Satan now has it. Was say this here was Satan was trying to tell Jesus, hey, Jesus, it's a shortcut. You don't have to go to cross. You don't have to be flogged. You don't have to have the beard ripped off your face. You don't have to have your hands pierced. You want these people. You want the world. And Jesus saw every face that he created. He saw your face. He saw my face at that moment. He said, this is a shortcut. You want them? You want this world? All you have to do is bow down. I, I have it now. I can give it to you. Jesus did not argue. However, all that's going to change in the world to come. As a matter of fact, Jesus is going to claim the world. You know, in Revelation says he had the scroll. And in the scroll, there were seven seals. That's the deed to the earth. And every seal will be loosened. 
in Rome, the law was that when they had a deed, they actually filled out. There's no spaces. They wrote on the deed front and back. You know how you write a check. You could write $10, but if you don't put that slash or the zero at the end, somebody could put 10000 In Rome, they made sure that you filled it out. Everything has to be repetitive. You have to fill out the whole document, and then it's sealed with seven seals. Jesus paid for the sins of the world. And he's going to claim the world. He has the deed, and he's going to loosen the seven seals. One day, and one day very soon. And that's the world. So, by God's grace, you know, through Christ, those have been saved, those have been born again, those have repented, those that come to a faith in Jesus Christ will will be with Christ in the world to come, the world to come, the new heaven and new earth. So we see this new world, and now that's in verses 5 through 8. He's talking about man made lower than the angels. Now in verses 9 through 18, Jesus Christ himself humbled himself. He was made lower than the angels. Not He was always there, but when he came in the, in, in the flesh, in the beginning was the word. In the beginning, the word was with God. The word was God. And then in verse 14 of John chapter 1, the word became flesh. He humbled himself. He was made at that point lower than the angels. Let's look at verse 9. It says, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels. Why was Jesus made lower than the angels? I can see God making man, creating man lower than angels. But why did Jesus have to be made lower than the angels? Very simple. To be like us, to be with us, to relate with us, to die for us. Philippians chapter 2, verses 7 and 8, Paul writes to the church in Philippi, says, but made himself, speaking of Jesus, of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of man, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. He humbled himself. Jesus became like man, He became like one of us to identify with us. What God in the history of religion throughout the world has came, became like one of his own to die for one of his own, those he created. Well, first of all, you won't find a God that created man. There was only one. (laughs) But that very God came down to be with us. Why? Why? Because Jesus loves us. Read verse 9. It goes on. It says, For the suffering, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. Jesus Christ was made lower than the angels to be like one of us, but to suffer and die. To die and to restore this world to come, but ultimately that we be one with him and to die for the sins of the world. You know, all that Jesus did at the cross of Calvary to save man, to save you, to save me, to rule and reign with him to the world to come, it makes you think, why, why would he do that? Why? I could chime in and echo in with the psalmist, why are you so mindful of us? And this this world, you know, there's a world to come. And 
quite often we get so consumed in the world we're in right now. This is why I don't look to this world. I don't look to politicians. I don't look to politics. I don't look to any man. Because there will always be problems. They're not the answer to this world. They're not the answer to you, to your life. There's a new world coming with a new government. Under the King of King, Lord of Lord Jesus Christ. And those of us that place our faith in him and him alone, we will rule and reign. We're wasting our time. I'm not saying don't pray for our country. We need to pray for our country, for salvation, not to convert them to a party, but for salvation that they may come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We need to pray for our elected officials that they repent and come to Christ. Pray for those that are believers that they do not compromise their faith and stay bold in Jesus Christ. But in verse 9, it says, but we see Jesus. The first four words, we see Jesus. Sadly, they're Christians that are placing their hope, hope and trust in politics and who's in the White House. It doesn't matter who's in the White House. It's who's seated at the right hand of the Father, and that's Jesus Christ. Because this world will pass away, everything in it will burn away. Here you have the writer of Hebrews saying, listen, Jesus Christ, we see Jesus, he's the author and finisher of our faith. We're going to rule and reign with him in a kingdom that's not of this world. That's what Jesus told Pontius Pilate. My kingdom is not of this world. The disciples thought that Jesus' kingdom was of this world. It's not of this world. It's in another world. It's in a new heaven and a new earth. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus and fix our eyes that one day we will be there and one day very soon. Verse 10, it says, For it was fitting for him, speaking of Jesus, for whom we are, were all things and by whom are all things. God created all things. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. In bringing many sons to glory to make the captain or founder or leader of their salvation perfect through suffering. Jesus Christ, our captain, our leader, And it is by him alone that he's bringing many sons, daughters, family, children into glory through Jesus Christ. You know, you see, Jesus has been through so much. There's not a single human being in history, currently or in the future, should the Lord tarry, that has suffered as much as Jesus did. Jesus suffered excruciating crucifixion. That's where you get excruciating from the word crucifix, crucifixion. And in his suffering for us was made perfect to bring us together as a family, sons and daughters, children of God. It's always been God's desire. The family that we have, blood relatives, is just a picture of the bigger family that God had intended, planned from the very beginning. You remember when there were a couple of people looking for Jesus. And Jesus, your mother, your brothers are looking for you. And he's speaking to his disciples and he's speaking to a crowd. And Jesus says, who are my mother, my father, my brother? And he points to his disciples and he says, here are my mother, my brother, and my disciples. It's always been the heart of God to bring people together. Verse 11, he says, for both he who sanctifies, which is Christ, 
through the Spirit, and those who are being sanctified are all of one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Now, before we go, you know, uh, why would Jesus call me brethren? He's not ashamed. I don't know, but let's look at this word sanctified. Sanctified is, sancti- the word sanctified here is hagiazo. Uh, it's the root word from hagias, which means, hagias means holy or to be holy. Agiazo, hagiazo is to render or to acknowledge or to make is the process. And so it is Christ that sanctifies. There is nothing that you can do or ever will do to make you sanctify. You can't sanctify yourself. And I understand, you know, certain Christians use this sanctification as a way of uh, describing Christian growth, Christian maturity. But in the context here, the idea here is that it is Christ who's the one that sanctifies. Nothing you can do, we do something, nothing we can work at or achieve will make you holy. The Lord said, be holy, therefore, because I am holy. And you think about, well, that's a tall order. Yes, it's impossible. But through Christ, we can. Precisionally, who we are, holy, precisionally righteous, precisionally we are sanctified, but practically, we need to do our part, okay? We need to honor God in being holy, being righteous, and being sanctified. But it's the work of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit alone. There's nothing you can do. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10, it says this, by, by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Romans chapter 15 verse 16. That the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable. Sanctified by the Holy Spirit. is the work of the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, the moment that you accept Jesus Christ, you've been justified. Justified by faith justified and sanctified by the Holy Spirit. And so here in the context, the idea is that we're being made holy, which is the work of the Holy Spirit. Verse 11 says, For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. The writer of Hebrews now is going to quote Psalm 22 in verse 12. I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I will sing praises to you. We can be one with Jesus Christ. Not because of anything you've done, but because of what he has done. He chose to identify with us, to be with us, and it's through the cross that we will be made one. And because we are children of God, sons of God, we have the same father, if you will. Now, I kind of find it weird for me because when we think about brethren, we've been hurt by brethren, not all. Uh, We think of God as a friend. You know, we've been hurt by friends, not all. But, you know, it's like I can't put God in that category. But just to think, there is no true friend than Jesus. There is not a better brethren than Jesus Christ. And this has always been the heart of God, is to be one with the people he created, the ones that he died for, the ones he loved. You remember when Jesus uh, rose from the grave, Mary was there in the garden trying to look for Jesus. Where is Jesus' body? And there he is, poof, Jesus, the resurrected Christ. He, she clings on to Jesus, and Jesus tells us this in John chapter 20, verse 17, Do not cling to me. For I have not yet ascended to my Father. But this is what he says. John 20, verse 17. Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren and say to them, 
I am ascending to my father, your father, and to my God, your God. Here we have the first missionary is a woman, Mary. Go, <laughs> go, go tell my brethren, go tell the disciples that I am ascending to my father, your father. In fact, this is Jesus' prayer. You know, we know, you know, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That's just the Lord's instruction. But in John chapter 17, Jesus prayed, and it was his heart desire that we be one. In John chapter 17, verses 21 and 22, Jesus said, pray this, said that they all may be one, speaking of you and I, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me and the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. It's always been the desire, the heart of God to be one with us. In the garden with Adam and Eve, the Lord walked with them in the cool of the day. He came down to be born in a manger, to be with people, to be with man, to die with man. And he prepares a place for us. You know, as much as you're trying to get rid of yourself from God, God is always there. Even those that are running away from God, he still is calling them by the Spirit. Even those who have rejected Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is still working to bring conviction so that they will come to the cross of Jesus Christ. Now, what, one thing about verse 11 that kind of stands out to me is this. It says, he is not ashamed to call me brethren. He's not ashamed of you. He's not ashamed of me. I'm ashamed of myself. I looked at the mirror and said, boy, you know, but he's not ashamed to call you brethren. The question is, are you ashamed of him? Are you ashamed of Jesus when you go to work? Do you talk about Jesus Christ? Or do you hold back? Or you're just ready to be stoned? (laughs) But can you just say Jesus? I believe in Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are you ashamed of Jesus with your neighbors, family members, co-workers, those that you go to school with? He's not ashamed of you. We shouldn't be ashamed of him. It tells us in Mark chapter 8, verse 38, for whoever, Jesus said, whoever is ashamed of me and my words and this adulterous and sinful generation of him the Son of Man also will be ashamed when he comes in glory of his Father with the holy angels. Don't be ashamed of Jesus Christ. Every religion are willing to die for their God. Their God is dead. Their God is not alive. But we have a, we worship and serve the true living God. We shouldn't be ashamed. I'm Thanks for listening to Running the Race Radio with Pastor Eddie. Pastor Eddie is leading us through a study of Hebrews. The series is called, Jesus is Better. And you might be getting a clearer picture of the supremacy of Christ. Jesus represented everything in the Old Testament and fulfilled it so wonderfully. Maybe as you're listening today, you're just now realizing all the different ways that Jesus proved to be the Messiah, to be the one that had been promised and prophesied about. Through these scriptures, you're coming to a better understanding of the love, the grace, the sacrifice that Jesus was willing to be for you. It's humbling, isn't it? May these teachings continue to bring you closer to the Lord as you see His heart for you. 
Running the Race Radio is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel of Milford. If you're in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area, look us up right now. Head on over to runningtheraceradio.com. Once more, that's runningtheraceradio.com. When you get there, click back to the homepage for more information about the church, including directions and service times. We'd love to invite you to come and join us on Sunday mornings. And for those of you who live further away, we're delighted to let you know that on the same website, you can find many other messages from Pastor Eddie. That's at runningtheraceradio.com. Well, thanks for joining us today. We've come to the end of our time together. We will be back again next time, right here on Running the Race. See you then.